It is Friday the 24th of April 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 82 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So obviously some big news during the last week or so with the planned movement out of lockdown in New Zealand into alert level three and then hopefully alert level two. Um, despite this, there's obviously still going to be a, a pretty severe recession after the end of it. So we've had a lot of stock updates during the week off, off the back of this. And we'll, we'll start with A2 Milk, um, the real darling of the NZX in the last five years, or, or longer actually. They trade under the code ATM in New Zealand and A2, the number two M in Australia. Um, the trading update, they experienced <laughs> more of the same from A2 Milk, really. They keep on getting it done. They experienced strong revenue growth across all regions, particularly infant nutrition products sold in China and Australia. And the revenue was above expectations. And a lot of, well, there's there's two there's two parts to this. Obviously, the first is just the, I guess, the, the, the tailwinds and the momentum that the brand and the demand for their product is... That, that exists there's there's that but then also there was all they also noticed some changes in consumer behavior due to covid-19 they they called this pantry stocking which is another other words hoarding um they're unable to basically people buying all all their products and just hoarding it in their houses um so they they experience increased sales because of this um they're unable to estimate the timing and the extent to which pantry stocking may unwind that's a direct quote i mean if your pantry is full of it and you haven't used it all you're going to buy less in the future so you know that that second part to their growth is probably going to be lower in subsequent periods but i think they still have the long-term tailwinds in the expanding market anyway that just that's still going to contribute to growth if that makes sense so it's not like i don't think even with pantry stocking unwinding i don't think you're going to see a decrease in revenues or anything like that from a2 milk i mean you'll see they'll see it internally they'll see a slowdown but they won't you won't i doubt they'll even talk about it in the future maybe they'll mention it in in the next update but beyond that unless this continues on i don't think you'll hear about it too much more um currency tailwinds i mean that that's unless i guess just thinking out loud unless you know we're talking about recessions and everything like that unless a, a wider recession affects the demand for the product although i still suspect even though it might be a recession in the wider economy it doesn't really seem like there'll be a recession in infant milk products being sold into China. That's just my view. Um, they also talked about currency tailwinds, basically the weakening of New Zealand dollar. Um, it's it's increased their overall revenues. Overheads are also lower. This is an interesting one. Um, overheads were lower due to travel restrictions and lower levels of recruitment. Um, so basically, it's like it's like the dream report, really. Like higher revenues for lots of different reasons, and then higher margins as well because costs are lower. Uh, you see revenue for the full years, but is going to be between 1.7 and 1.75 billion margins are going to be higher than expected because again pantry stocking or hoarding is is generally on the higher margin products um they've said it's unlikely these factors will be sustained as these are there's these unprecedented circumstances begin to unwind the stock is, is trading near all-time highs um it's been such a fantastic stock if you've had the minerals to hold on to it for a long period of time um 
I clearly haven't because I'm doing a podcast, but if I had, you'd probably be a millionaire. Um, it's currently trading at around 10 times current sales and 8 times forward sales and maybe around 28 times forward earnings. So it's not cheap right now if they do not grow, but they've certainly proven the ability to grow over the, over the long term. So let's just have a look at their revenue over the last 10 years, actually. So 2011, you got 42 million. 2012, you got 63 million. 2013, you got 95 million. 2014 you got 111 million 2015 you got 155 million 2016 you got 353 million 2017 you've got 550 million 2018 you got 923 million and 2019 you got 1.3 billion and you know just just mentioned that 2020 is going to be 1.7 billion so that that growth rate is obviously going to slow um you know, that's a 20, 20 times increase in revenue since 2011. I doubt they're going to increase their revenue another 20 times between now and, you know, over the next 10 years, there'll be a $50 billion revenue company. They'll make up the whole NZX. So that's that's unlikely, but, you know, it's, it's probable that they're still going to continue seeing some growth, at least in the next wee while. It'll be until, basically, they've they've got to the point where, they make up such a big part of if they can get to this point of the infant milk market that they can only really grow at and there's other competitors around and everything like that that you can only really grow at the rate the overall market's growing um at the moment they're stepping into this massive void of growth whereas once that void's filled you can only grow at sort of the the market rate if that makes sense right next stock is restaurant brands rbd on the nzx uh, total sales for the first quarter were two hundred million, which is an increase of five point three percent. They had the strongest same store sale growth growth of seven point nine percent in the US. Total store numbers increased by four to two hundred and eighty eight. They started to see a fall off of sales in New Zealand from the twenty fifth of March, which is obviously everything being closed. Uh, total first quarter sales in Australia increased to thirteen point three percent. Um, they opened two KFC and two Taco Bell stores in Australia. But, you know, what they reported in March is almost meaningless because, as we know, things changed pretty big time in April. So it's the next announcement that is that is key for the company, really. That's what you've got to look out for. These companies will be pretty busy when you go into Level 3, uh, but I do not think it will be enough to make up the fact that they've delivered virtually no revenues in April. Um, like A2, the valuation of restaurant brands is also high. Uh, revenue growth is much lower at restaurant brands, but it has but still grown impressively. You know, it's a one point five billion dollar company trading at around thirty times earnings. So, I guess the justification of this multiple multiples down to the durability and consistency of fast food more than growth. So, you know, if you can see way into the future that you're going to have consistent earnings and you're going to grow them slightly every year, then and you can virtually guarantee that. I wouldn't want to say you can virtually guarantee it, but you can you got a high degree of certainty that that's going to happen, then the valuation should be higher. So I understand this argument, but I still think you'd rather buy at a lower price. I think probably, you know, I remember during the global financial crisis, you know, we, we hit into a recession, like I mentioned before, but the global financial crisis during that time, companies like McDonald's and stuff were still able to produce pretty good numbers because it was seen as a... You know, more people with when with, with, more people have less money, you know, instead of going to eat out at a fancy restaurant, maybe they're more likely to go to McDonald's, for example. Um, and also, if you want a cheap meal, McDonald's, you know, that that sort of reason. So I suspect that 
you know, restaurant brands relative to other companies will probably still perform okay during a recession. Um, that's that's just that's just my guess at this stage. Obviously, though, the valuation is a little bit concerning to me. I'm I'm not buying the stock here, but and I think that the big thing will be how the numbers look during the next report. They're going to have a surge in in volume once things open again. You you remember before the lockdown, all the people you know, lining up around the corner to get KFC. It's going to be like that afterwards as well, at least for the first week or so. And then things will probably return to normal, even though we don't really know what normal is at the moment due to the, all the uncertainty. Right, the next company we'll talk about is The Warehouse. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code WHS. So they provided their business update last week. I've always got a bit of a soft spot for The Warehouse. It was one of my first jobs out of school, I worked there when I was at university doing night fill. It was it was it was good fun. We basically just messed around with with a bunch of mates and you know worked to one in the morning every night. But it was it was good. Um, they won't be able to open fully until alert level two. Um, they're going to open some services at alert level three, and um, more than what they're doing now in alert level four. But they're not going to be fully operating until alert level two. Um, they're going to need. They've come out and said they're going to reduce operating costs. This is basically the purpose of the announcement, and they're going to be making changes to team member pay. Basically, unfortunately, good luck getting a pay rise at the warehouse anytime soon. They employ eleven thousand people, so as I've said in the past, um, they're a significant company. Um, group directors and leadership squad will reduce pay by twenty percent. Now, this isn't a dig at the warehouse, but a little bit annoyed at all these directors coming out and thinking they're doing this great thing by and and executives as well thinking they're doing this great thing by reducing their pay by by twenty percent. It's sort of like in in some cases, you know, the stocks are getting significantly diluted at terrible prices by um by capital raises and dividends have been cancelled and, and a lot of companies are awful lot smaller but proportionately, the directors and executive groups are reduce, all reducing their pay by 20%. That seems to be the go-to number is reducing their pay by 20%, even though they're presiding over a lot smaller companies. And in many cases, some cases, they're getting bailed out by governments and, and all sorts of things. I'm just making sweeping generalizations here. But then you think about it, often cases, these are people that might make over a million dollars in a year. And at the same time, they're laying off people, they're reducing their pay by 20%. You know, I'd like to think that if I was a CEO or whatever, or a high up in a, in a company like that, I would just say, look, maybe just pay me $100,000 or whatever for the time being. I'm I'm incredibly rich anyway. I don't necessarily need the money. I'm laying off everybody else. I know everyone's got different situations and 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 everything like that. And some people, you know, they, they might genuinely need the money so they can't reduce it. But if I was a CEO and I didn't actually need the money for the next six months, I would I would I would take it on the chin and I well, I hope I would anyway. Maybe I wouldn't in that situation, but I would, you know, forego my pay or or whatever it is, just for a period of time. Um and you know, at, at least in the case of the warehouse, the directors and that and CEOs are reducing their pay. Um but they're not reducing the pay of the people at the bottom, so that, which is which is nice to see. So they've had a twenty percent reduction in earnings for those earning more than one hundred k, and a ten percent reduction in earnings for those earning between sixty and one hundred k, and they intend to maintain salaries of those earning less than sixty k. So at least their cuts have been, 
at the top in that situation. But I would just think it would show good leadership for those people that are on significant salaries whose businesses have significantly changed and they've had to lay off a significant number of staff members to take larger cuts than just a standard 20% at the moment. That's just my opinion, though. Um, they continue to negotiate with landlords about rents. Um, I imagine they have quite a strong hand with landlords when you think about it. Um, kind of like Harvey Norman, how we spoke about the other week. They're sort of the, the big marquee tenant in a lot of these sorts of spaces. And, you know, if you compare that to, say, my landlord for the pizza business, I went to have a chat about with him, a, a chat with him about it, and he just went pretty much pay your rent. I didn't really get too much choice. You know, if I leave, it's not going to kill him. Whereas if, if the warehouse leaves a particular location, it, <coughs> it's not like you can get another business at the warehouse to easily fill the space. You know, the warehouse leaves the location, it might take years to retenant that spot in some parts of the country. So I imagine they do have quite a strong hand, so that, that's my point there. There were some quite scary quotes in the in the update. I'll just read, read one out here. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice. We're now at a new stage in the pandemic where the horizon remains unclear around short and mid-term customer shopping habits and the ability to operate bricks and mortar stores. So just to... A quick guess, my assumption would be that during a recession, the warehouse may perform better than some other retailers. That's just a, an assumption. And sort of for the similar reason why restaurant brands might perform a bit better than some restaurant companies. And the reason I say that is, at least traditionally, the warehouse was known for discounting. And I think you're more likely to shop at a discounter than maybe a, a full-priced retailer, if that makes sense, during times of hardship. So that, that's just an assumption there. I might be wrong, although I suspect a wider slowdown in the economy and a wider slowdown of retail spend will still hurt the warehouse. Right, a, a quick update from Convita, that's CVT on the NZX. They had a strong quarter, and they're talking about double-digit growth year on year, um, and they've been able to use this to reduce debt. Um, they have also had a great honey harvest, which is an important thing in the honey business, believe it or not. They did not make a single mention of COVID-19, which is unusual at the moment. Um, you would wonder you know, how much of this sales strength is due to pantry stocking, perhaps. I would, I'd venture to say that. So you're not much in terms of Convita from an update, but it seems business is to be strong at the moment. They certainly need those strong honey harvests to to get by. You know, I would have liked a bit more numbers in, in the update, if I had to say. Um, here's an interesting one, Kiwi Property Group. Um, this is a bit more of an interesting update. They reported a decrease of 8.5% in the value of their property portfolio. And... This is interesting because it's one of the earliest data points I think that we have on property valuations and the big question at the moment in many of the you know media articles I read is what's going to happen with property prices? And I know commercial property that with something like Kiwi Property Group is completely different, different to the family home, but I think you know it's an interesting data point, let's just say that. So an 8.5% decrease in their property portfolio, the CEO said that valuations have been heavily impacted by the pandemic. And you can see why. You've got assets such as Sylvia, Mar Sylvia Park, Lynn Mall, you know, those are their big assets. I think the th big thing here for KPG will be its tenants. I'm not sure if you know, but mall rents are extremely high for tenants. That's compared to, say, just a shop on the side of the road. 
and that's obviously because of the foot traffic that they bring. You know, you're going to get way more people walking past your retail shop in Sylvia Park than what you are in my pizza shop in St Helier's, for example. So my, my bet is that a lot of tenants will not be able to survive the rents there. So what are the outcomes of this? Some some may go bankrupt. You know, some are big enough, like, say, farmers, for example, that they, you know, might be able to ne- negotiate... If, Different different companies will have stronger negotiation positions than others is what I'm saying. So the company can threaten the tenants with payment, etc. You know, they can even kick them out. But A, that looks really bad at the moment. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to kick someone out and then them go to One News and get a big article about it. Um, but the other thing is, if more importantly, if you kick someone out, who's going to step into a mall rent at the moment? So if you kick someone out, you have to offer some people some pretty big favours to step into the mall rent. So, and, and the tenants know this as well. Um, so it, it's a tough one. You know, you, they may have to defer rents and give holidays, and they'll certainly find it hard to increase rents, and they may, be, may even have to review some downwards for some. So companies will use this, tenants will use that to their advantage as well, and, and, and why wouldn't you? Um, but... You know, basically all these possibilities equate to lower yields. And if you believe that a property is ultimately worth its yield relative to interest rates, then property values will decrease. And I guess that would be my that would be my overall view of the property market in general as well. Um, if there's going to be more vacancies, lower rents, rent reviews to the downside instead of the upside. And if you believe that a property is ultimately worth its yield relative to interest rates, then property values will decrease. So that I think that's what will happen unless you see basically central bank intervention and you know, even though rents may decrease, interest rates may decrease more. So then property may not decrease at the rates that what you would expect. I think all else being equal, property values should decrease, but they may not decrease as much as what you're expecting because, you know, governments don't really like to see massive big decreases in property values. It, it, it causes all sorts of problems. So I think interest rates are going to stay low for a while. So my anticipation is that I think there'll be people that are basically put bluntly are in, in the ship because of their personal situation in terms of jobs and they become may become forced sellers which will you know might mean there's more bargains out there but I don't really know what's going to happen beyond that because of I don't know what's going to happen with interest rates if that makes sense so that but at least in the short term you know companies like Kiwi Property Group are going to see decreases in the valuations of their property portfolios. Right, the next, next company, the big spark, SPK on the NZX. So EBITDA I, I'll say that again, EBITDA I between 1.1 billion and 1.12 billion. That's what they're expecting for the full year 2020. I'd never heard of EBITDA I before, I have to say, so I had to Google it. The I stands for investment in- income or investment loss, I guess you'd have to presume. So don't get me started on that. We've got enough to talk about. Um, CapEx of 370 million. Um, obviously, that's not taken. <laughs> you have to take that off from the EBITDA I, in my opinion. Um, dividends are 25 cents, so yield are nearly 6%. So it seems that unlike many other companies, they will still be able to pay dividends, which is not unsurprising when you consider what they do. And you read the first paragraph of the report and it says that. So telecommunications and digital services play a critical role in the lives of New Zealanders and the businesses across the country. And this has never been more evident than it is today during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, 
I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I've actually quite enjoyed level four lockdown, to be honest. It's, it's like this sort of holiday for me <laughs> where I get to chill out and home. I live in a nice part of town. It's 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 been quite good, but I have to be completely honest, I really don't think I would have enjoyed it without the internet and without a mobile phone. It would have been, well, maybe I would have, but I think that definitely the first week while I adjusted to it would have been hard. Then I probably would have enjoyed it more, probably would have done more interesting stuff. But anyway, um, travel restrictions and border closures have significantly reduced higher margin mobile roaming services, which account for about 5% of total revenues. By significantly reduced, I guess they mean completely wiped out. Um, that has to be one good thing about COVID-19. Spark not making any money off roaming. I hate it when I go somewhere and I have to pay a lot of money for roaming. You know, you try going to Brazil for a holiday or something like that, you know, your phone bill turns out to be more than the bloody plane ticket. Um, and, you know, and you know this is when it's not really costing them anything at all. Um, it always it always annoys me. Um, but, you know, if I was in Spark's position and if I was a Spark shareholder, I'd be cheering it. Um, the stores are mostly shut, so retail revenues are down, so that has to mean that retail costs are down as well. Um, broadband usage has increased significantly, and the, I didn't actually think about this until I read it, but you know, the initial assumption is that, oh, they'll make way more money off broadband, and I guess they do to an extent. But they said it increased significantly, but because most people are on unlimited plans, they haven't seen the corresponding growth in revenue as much as you would think. Um, so yeah, that, that was interesting. CEO Jolie Hodson said, we expect to experience flow and impacts from the border economic downturn, basically a recession, as our customers reduce usage or find it difficult to pay for our services. And with the infinite closure of international borders, we also expect the loss of mobile of all mobile roaming revenues. So <clears throat> that's gonna be what, what really fuels the recession. I mean, in my opinion, if you just closed everything down for a month, then open up the borders and open up everything again, we wouldn't really have too much of an impact because, you know, we almost do that every year at Christmas time anyway. Um but it's the it's the long term closure of the borders and the fact that everywhere else in the world that is going to have the recession that really fuels things in New Zealand and it's a flow on effect you know the the tourist that lands in New Zealand from wherever in the world with the intention of spending ten thousand dollars in New Zealand suddenly doesn't land in New Zealand and spends the ten doesn't spend the ten thousand dollars you know the the food that they ate at that restaurant for example it just it just all flows on the restaurant owner can't pay his rent the landlord it, it is this massive big flow on effect from it you know the government is is going to do their best to to prop it up in terms of you know there's this talk about helicopter payments where they basically just give everyone money they they're going to do all these incentives and everything like that they're going to try and spur on economic growth they're going to cut interest rates they're going to do all this sort of stuff but at the end of the day you can do all that sort of stuff and it and it has an impact but at the end of the day that the fundamentals of people not being able to come into the country and the wider worldwide recession is, is going to have the major impact here. Um, just before we sign off, I just want to talk about Just Life Group. You know, not normally a company that begs too much of a conversation on the podcast, but I remember being mildly critical of them on an early episode when they put out an announcement in early March saying that they have no expected impact from the coronavirus. And this was at a time when every single other company was reporting potential negative impacts on the coronavirus, it sort of felt like to me that they were just sticking out an announcement, making that price important, saying that they weren't having 
they were going to have no expected impact. It was sort of like a "Hey, look at me" type of announcement. You know, things changed them, however, as you can imagine. On the 23rd of March, they came out and said that the directors and executive team need to take a 20% pay cut. There's that 20% number again. And there'll be a negative adverse effect on businesses and they may have to make redundancies. You know, the basically the, the, the 20% is sort of like the, the minimum wage. If you're paying someone the $18.90 an hour, it's sort of saying you would pay them less if 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 we could. And that's what it's like with the 20% pay cut. So like, we'll take a less of a pay cut if we could, but everyone else is taking 20%, so we have to do that. Um, they may have may have to make redundancies. Then the next day on the move to a level four, they said that all their businesses will cease operating during the lockdown. So they got that expected update wrong. You'd have to, they expected no impact wrong, you'd have to say. Then on the 22nd of April, they came out and said that their business will be significantly impacted due to the likelihood of a broader economic recession. You know, if you're a company that's leasing a drinking fountain from Just Life Group, for example, then it may be one of those expenditures that you can cut and maybe you'll just use water from the tap for the next little while. So that's basically the the, the reason there. And that's just an example of the flow-on effects from the recession. Right, that's about all we have time for today. Um, we're going to have some really interesting announcements over the next couple of months with companies updating the impact of this lockdown on them. Um, but thanks again for listening to the podcast. As a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. Share it with your friends also. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin and this has been episode 82 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 24th of April 2020. We'll see you all again next week.